Well, it's another hate week in the books, I guess, gentlemen. It wasn't uh, particularly hostile, I guess, at least on the tailgating lots. It seemed like everybody was getting along pretty well. But uh, hard-fought game. It's living up to its name as El Asico, I guess. Well, what were your thoughts, you guys? Uh, I think I saw – you're right. The tailgating was uh, unusually uh, uh, benign. I think there might be a mutual respect developing, if that's possible, between the two programs, or at least an acknowledgement that this thing could go either way after the last few, uh, the last few instances. Um, but I, I uh, also found it kind of – I mean, obviously, love the outcome, love the end result, but hard to watch at times. Uh, Bill? Yeah, it was ugly. Um... I, I mean, I, I love the outcome. I, I was hoping for some, uh, you know, offensive fireworks, and we finally got them down a stretch there. But, um, yeah, I, 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 my, I guess my highlight of it, of the game, was uh, the extended IOWA chant um, at the end. That came through great on TV and, and well done in the stadium there, gentlemen. Yeah, well, you know, as W's, Bill, <laughs> it wasn't that easy. I mean, that, that's a lot of lung power expelled right there. Yeah, I remember when we used to have a vowel. <laughs> so, well, welcome to 12 Saturdays. I'm James Bladel, and with me is, of course, Tori Brecht on location in the Pacific Northwest, and Bill Delahunt calling from America's heartland out there in the uh, insurance capital of uh, the world, or Nebraska, I'm not sure. but uh, home, of, home, home of the winless Nebraska Cornhuskers. Well, not in Omaha, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, two weeks in, and, and Nebraska is winless yes. in college football, Love which it. is a good outcome, right, Bill? It's true. There's a, a palpable sadness and despair in the air are, here. Are you saying that there's a chill, a frosty chill over the new... You can say that. <laughs> you can say that. Frost advisory. Oh, there's a frost Love advisory. It. So let's talk, about, uh, let's talk about likey, no likey. Um, and I'm going to start with... How do you get a delay of game penalty on the first play? They apparently they I guess uh, Coach Ference was pretty upset about it because apparently they used to give you a the referee on the field gave you a go sign and apparently they got rid of that now so it's your responsibility to keep an eye on the clock and they didn't so I guess that's how it started and man that was a pretty scary omen right off the bat. <laughs> I've well, never seen anything like that and. Uh, Kirk Ferentz, I mean, I'm not an expert lip reader, but I don't think you need to be to see that uh, he was displeased with the ref and, and voiced it on TV. <laughs> yeah, well, 40 actually, years of football, and I've never seen it either. Yeah, I actually turned to Tori, and I, and I said, that was so dumb, it, it had to be intentional, right? I mean, did somebody die, and that was like a memorial that I didn't understand? <laughs> But uh, no, apparently, uh, you know, having six of those giant clocks all over the stadium and nobody was watching it. So it, it was five yards dedicated to uh, Coach Matt Campbell's opportunity to move on to a bigger and better job before he completely uh, derails his program. And I was see, I thought it was five yards in uh, in um, in in tribute to the Greg Davis offense, since that's usually what they averaged per drive. So. Minus but five. Then, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> But then they brought the Greg Davis offense back just one last time. Oh, they made us, they made us yearn for the Greg Davis offense. <laughs> Never say that. <laughs> <laughs> Never say that, Jim. It's just wrong. And then, and then, you know, to give it up on, of course, you know, you first and 15, you get 13 yards, you know, and then you, you hand it over and they just march right down the field. And, and I got to tell you, I was not feeling good right about then. He, 
Yeah, I mean, it was uh, nerve wracking to say the least. And it really looked like things could, uh, it was kind of following that pattern that you get used to that really upsets you. And you've seen so many times, but I mean, I think that's one of the things that's a positive as a takeaway is that, you know, they fixed that, they righted the ship and then, I mean, virtually shut a, uh, through a shutout for the next, what, you know, 48 minutes. So that, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you're going to have a low point of a game, you might as well have it, you know, with uh, 10 minutes to go in the first quarter. But but I actually thought, Tori, I was like, you know, oh, man, here, we've seen this movie before. This thing is going to end 10-6, and we're going to be on the wrong side of it. So uh, I'm glad that we, uh, we, we, we took that narrative away from them and actually, uh, as Bill said, found a way to stop tripping over ourselves there in the fourth quarter. Bill, what did you see uh, at halftime? Anything, um, anything in terms of adjustments or anything? Because it seemed like gradually Iowa kind of like took control, but not, you know, there wasn't one play or one drive. It's just that things started to go progressively better for them and progressively worse for the Cyclones. That about sums it up. I mean, they uh, came out and they hit that, that Montgomery, the running back from Iowa State, on those passes. Um, they hit a three or four of them on the first drive, and I thought, are we going to cover this guy ever? What's going to happen <laughs> here? And, you know, it, it looked like the 2017 game when they would run with him. I mean, we had to bring five tacklers up there, and uh, down the stretch in the rest of the game, our, our run fits were just amazing. I mean, he didn't have any place to go cause there were Hawkeyes everywhere. It was like, we were playing with 13 guys out there. So, I mean, I didn't see what they did to adjust, but they did clearly. And it, it worked like a charm. I, I think our defense is for real. Yeah. The thing that was sort of surprising to me though, is that, um, neither team really seemed to want to take many shots downfield. Um, you know, now, and especially with Iowa, which had better pass protection. I mean, they didn't give up a single sack to Stanley yet. We insisted on running and running and running. I think, uh, what was our final count, uh, Jim, something like 12 times that we ended up with a second and nine after a one yard first down run. Oh, that was maddening. Yeah. And I mean, and even Iowa state, you know, they were, they, they seemed like they were, it's like both teams, uh, you know, Matt Campbell in some ways, I think is kind of like a junior Kirk Ferentz. He, he knows he has a great running back and he's just going to continue to try to force the issue and neither team could do it against the other one. So yeah, force of wills and uh, Iowa was bigger in the trenches at, down the stretch. And that was the difference. Yeah. I don't remember where I was reading it. It might've been uh, one of the articles on, um, you know, Hawkeye reporter, Blackhawk gold pants, but they just kind of said last year felt like Iowa went in and won a Big 12 game, and then this year felt like Iowa <laughs> State tried to come in and win a Big 10 game, uh, and so, you know, last year we beat them at their game, and then this year we beat them at ours. I think that's, yeah, well, that's pretty beating. well put. <laughs> yeah, and that's, so this is the longest uh, streak now, Tori, since basically you and I left college. <laughs> and I want to give a shout-out. I want to give a shout-out, Jim, to the uh, current daily Iowan staff who actually kind of resurrected. I, I just for fun, I kind of posted on Facebook and on the daily Iowan backstory alumni site, the uh, 1993 graphic that uh, I think John Yates actually came up with, which was uh, wins by Iowa state over the last 11 years. And it was just a big black dot for Iowa because it was an infographic. <laughs> and uh, they did that, I guess, for four more years as the 15 year thing started. And so uh -huh. they re resurrected this year with three and now we're at four. So hopefully we'll see another 15, right? Well, that's, that's, a joke. Excellent. that's the joke that just keeps giving every year as long as you keep the streak going. And it was just so funny to get it every year, Bill, on the Friday before uh, Iowa, Iowa State. And there'd be like a, a nice, we'd just say, you know, pie chart of uh, wins and losses. And it's just a big black circle. <laughs> yeah, the hockey puck, we called it. 
<laughs> That's awesome. No, we didn't have that during my time at Iowa, but uh, this year's seniors are the first uh, class to uh, never lose to Iowa State since Tim Dwight, Tavian Banks, and Matt Sherman did it in wow. 1997. Yeah, well, that was a fun group to watch, too. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I would say that to credit to this year's squad, um, this is actually a talented team. Some of those Iowa State squads in the 90s, uh, you know, especially in the early to mid-90s, I don't think you could say that. Um, this team, this Iowa State team, is probably going to make some noise in the Big 12. Um, you know, they certainly are not going to face a defense uh, like they saw on Saturday. So, uh, you know, get almost like, I mean, Campbell tipped his hat to Iowa in his post game. Uh, you know, you might as well tip your hat over to them and say they're, they're uh, putting their uh, act together. Although, um, I think the clock is ticking on how long they can keep that coaching, uh, coaching staff. Well, I'm going to be really interested to see how they actually do in the Big 12 because they're really trying to do it the opposite of most teams. You know, they're trying to build it on defense and ball control. And most of the other teams in that conference don't seem to want to play any defense and they fling it all around. So, Except for Oklahoma um, that always dominates that conference. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'll be really curious to see how that plays out. And uh, I'm actually pulling for them this year because, you know, uh, I think that we're going to win quite a few games and the better our schedule looks, the better off we're going to be. So, you yeah. know, as much as I hate to say it, it's easier after we beat them. But uh, go Cyclones for the rest of the year. Well, right? you know, if you get to the end of the year, you know, and you've done well in your conference, and then your non-conferences, you've got, you know, let's say the, the MAC champion in the bag, and then maybe the Big 12 champion or the Big 12 runner-up in the bag. I mean, it just, it just says good things about you, right? Absolutely. Is it bad that I'm almost looking forward to that Iowa State-Oklahoma game a, a, as much as, as our game against Northern Iowa this week. I mean, they're 17.5-point dogs, but I, I'm really curious to see how we stack up. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it, too, because if they can shut down their offense, Iowa State shutting down Oklahoma, that is, I'll be, you know, I'll feel a little better about our offensive moves. <laughs> um, if they get lambasted, I'm, I'm going to be a little nervous, but... Uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, they beat them last year. That's what makes me kind of nervous, though. I think Oklahoma is going to be on the war path. Yeah, and I don't know, guys, how much you can put, how much stock you can put into it either way. I mean, we've seen teams come out of just a hard-fought, you know, um, battle, and they're bruised up, banged up. Obviously, we knocked out their quarterback. Who knows if he's going to be available. So, I, get, I, I you know, I'm with you. I mean, if it's if it's a hard-fought battle, it would be nice to know that we went – you know, we matched up really well with them versus uh, versus Oklahoma. But I mean, if Oklahoma blows them off the field, I don't think that necessarily says that uh, uh, that Iowa State was a paper tiger necessarily. Because I mean, you know, I think we left. I think they got back on their bus in uh, in bandages and ice packs. Well, speaking of that, Jim, I remember a team. It was crazy. They like came out and just completely obliterated a really good Ohio State team. <laughs> Put fifty five points on them. Right. Uh, just dominated them. And then they, the next week they had to go play Madison and Madison against Wisconsin, and not that great of a team. And boy, did they look terrible. Yeah, well, and that Ohio State team, if I recall, got into a dogfight with the Penn State team the week before and went to overtime and barely squeaked out. You know, so you know, I, I think these things have kind of a carryover effect. And I say that with absolutely no evidence, data, or firsthand experience to back it up. Well, don't you guys think it's great that that you and I is next on the schedule, though? I mean, with Wisconsin coming in, I mean, you get kind of a tune-up game to an extent, and I don't want to disrespect our friends from Cedar Falls, but, you know, they're not a vintage you and I team. They're a FCS team. Um, you know, I feel like Iowa should be able to maybe rest a few of the guys that are dinged up and work on their passing game a little bit and 
you know, maybe lay in wait for the badger. I'm right there with you. I mean, I, you know, the adage, you know, don't don't look ahead, take it one game at a time. That doesn't apply to us as fans. And, and I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking to, ahead to the Wisconsin game. I'm I'm with you. I think if we come out and score 35 to 42 points, all of a sudden, hey, Northern Illinois and Iowa State were tough defenses, and everything's okay. But uh, if we win out, win a squeaker, I'm worried. Yeah, you you know, um, speaking of NIU, I was watching that, and they actually uh, were only down, I think, 10 to 7 against uh, Utah late and were driving. They'd held them to 10 points, and then they threw a really critical pick and ended up losing that game. But, I mean, Utah's a Pac-12 team that supposedly flings the ball around a little bit, too, and could only manage 10 against them. So, you know, but we might – I honestly think we might have a elite-level defense, at least in the Big Ten – this season, and if we can even just get a, an adequate, average representative offense, I mean, I don't know what the ceiling is for this team. Yeah, I mean that's the key, right? I mean, we were worried about the linebackers. That's turning out to be a non-issue. We, you know, nobody can seem to get past our defensive line anyway. Um, and uh, and it's really come down to all the, th- the good things we heard in uh, over the summer about uh, Stanley and the receivers, and of course Noah Fant and the tight ends, and that needs to start showing up somewhere in the stat line or on the field because, uh, um, you know, you can't just constantly uh, uh, run folks around. Okay, well, before we go to our guests, though, let's talk about some of the individual performances that stood out. Uh, Bill, uh, I know you've got uh, nothing but love for Iowa's receiving core. Uh, what, do you, uh, what do you have to say about, uh, about your, uh, your pick-to-click from week one, Brandon Smith? I have as much love for our receiving core as any Iowa fan, which um, is kind of a tenuous relationship at best. Uh, But I will say that uh, him hitting that long, uh, I think it was a 30-yard pass on third and four with about five minutes left in the game, uh, was so, so huge and so sweet to watch as somebody who's been rooting for the kids since uh, uh, reading Scott Docterman's Land of Ten article last summer about uh, you know, just what a what a stand-up guy he is, and uh, you know, he he committed to Iowa, and he he stood by it when the big dogs came sniffing around. Um, so that was awesome, and and I have to say, he was my pick to click last week. Does that does that count at all toward the uh, gnome of knowledge tonight? No, uh, no. <laughs> all right, I had to try. Yeah, yeah. Tori, who was your standout? Guy, uh, my standout was Michael Ojemudia. Um, you know, he he's not as flashy as a, a Jackson or a, or a Desmond King, but he gets the job done, and the guy really tackles. You know, I thought he filled good on the uh, runs, and he also was always there in coverage. Um, you know, if he starts to, you know, get a little bit more ball uh, play, you know, where he can actually get some interceptions, I think he's going to be another one of our all-stars, just another – unsung hero by good old Phil Parker, but they're in the backfield. But I, I, I don't worry about other teams passing games hardly at all. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I also remember, I think it was Ojemudia um, or um, Hankins. One of them had a, just a brilliant open field tackle on Montgomery early on in the game. And I think really set the tone for, you know, even if you get the edge on our defensive line, you know, you still got to deal with a pretty talented secondary back there. So um, for me, I like, uh, I, you know, I think a guy that's come out of nowhere here recently is uh, uh, Golston. You know, I think we've got um, just this talented defense loaded with stars. But, I mean, just a couple of those really key third down plays 
or when we needed to stop, or even when we wanted to, you know, move him backwards. Uh, you know, he was he was phenomenal. I think he even tipped a couple of balls at the uh, line of scrimmage, one from him and one from uh, uh, AJ. So um, it's it's really just uh, just all over. And of course, I have to give a shout out to my favorite player, our All American tight end, T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, the guy is again our number one receiver uh for the week in terms of receptions and uh you know he just if it's anywhere near him he just grabs the ball and he knows he's going to get hit he's like a tank with sticky hands and i i just love how he plays that's awesome and and while we're gushing over players i love jimon colbert uh filling in for the injured was it welch i think welch yeah yeah Yeah, i don't think we missed a beat and now we've got a uh uh, controversy there at that linebacker spot because he was flying around and, and looked like he belonged. Did uh, did uh, uh, um, Jones? He didn't uh, start, did he? Or did he see he played? He didn't so. start, but he played and he did well. I mean, nobody on the defensive <laughs> side played poorly at all. And what I guess you know, I know there's been a lot of kind of uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth over the offense looking anemic, but. My Lord, when's the last time you guys can remember a defense like this? I mean, I'm having shades of guys like Matt Roth, um, you know, just, uh, yeah, I mean, a defensive uh, line makes things look so, so good when you guys are trying to stay in the game. I mean, uh, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got, what, seven capable Big Ten defensive linemen. It looks like we're building on, we saw we had zero. I think we've got five serviceable linebackers. Um, and the secondary is strong as always. The secondary I mean, is strong. Uh, I mean, Geno Stone didn't play or doesn't start, but he uh, and we were like, okay, well, he'll show up in the nickel or something like that. But he was he started the entire bowl game and shut down Boston College. So I think we've got a solid. Uh, we're building depth, and I think that's that's something we haven't had in a while. Well, and Bill, tell me, you weren't terrified of Hakeem Butler? I mean, that dude looks the oh. part of an NFL receiver, doesn't he? Oh my gosh. Yeah. He and Montgomery, I was like, you know, this is how do Iowa state, how does Iowa state always get these amazing NFL caliber guys? And not this year, my friend, we shut them down and gosh, that was fun to watch. So I'm, I'm with you guys. This defense is legit. And if the offense can, you know, average 21 a game, I think we're going to be in every game we play. Have you guys heard anything, uh, any updates on injuries, um, whether we're going to have Ivory Kelly Martin back this next week and whether um, Amir Smith-Marset uh, apparently came down really hard on his shoulder on that long uh, completion? I don't know if you've heard any uh, updates on that. I read negative x-rays for ISM. Uh, he's bruised. I, Kirk Ferentz seemed like he'd be ready to go. As far as Ivory Kelly Martin... I think maybe that might be a thing that, that lingers. Uh, ankles are like that. I think that might be a, a good question for our guest tonight. Who is that, by the way, Tori? Well, funny you should ask, Bill, but uh, we have the great Tom Kakert from Hawkeye Report as our guest this week. Uh, back by popular demand. I, I, I'm not really sure who their popular demand is from. Maybe the denizens of Hawkeye Report and Hawkeye Report off topic uh, degenerate a lot. But I didn't yeah, get that demand. Uh, I've been demanding. <laughs> we all demand a little bit of cakered in our lives don't we i heard him on the post game show too so guys making the rounds so yep. let's uh toast this victory let's toast this victory over iowa state and uh get mr cakered on the line so uh welcome uh back to the 12 saturdays podcast and our guest is uh, one of our favorites of course is the owner operator 
facilitator and sole proprietor of HawkeyeReport.com, <laughs> Tom Kakert. Welcome, Tom. Uh, it's always great to be on with you guys because it, you guys have fun, and I love having fun on these things. We do have fun. Um, you know, we just don't have an audience, but we do have fun. <laughs> so, uh, I hope the same can be said for our audience. I hope they're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Tom, uh, another uh, Cyhawk victory in the books. That's four in a row, and we were just kind of joking around that, uh, you know, you have to go back to the days of Tim Dwight and Tavian Banks to um, to recapture that kind of a streak. So, what was the, uh, you know, what was the tone? What was the feeling and the sense in the in the press box in the locker room when it was going down? I was surprised a little bit by just how non-offensive the game was i kind of thought it would be a game in the 20s and, and you know when it's sitting there at 6-3 for a good portion of the game it's just it wasn't uh it wasn't aesthetically pleasing but um <laughs> it's it, it's it's funny i told a friend of mine uh the night before i said watch this be like a 6-3 game after the shootout the year before and mm. Almost got that, uh, but Iowa just, um, you know, the offense still isn't clicking the way I think it needs to be, uh, but defensively, they have been absolutely dominant so far this year, and that's that's a, a good sign. What they did against Montgomery was really impressive. I mean, that's a that's one of the best running backs in the country, and, uh, and they were able to really throttle him and the Cyclones, and, and you know, after that first drive that Iowa State had, I mean, they really, really had no offense to speak of the rest of the game. Absolutely. And you mentioned the offense not clicking. And you've seen some more practices than the average Hawkeye fan has. And, and you talk to the guys. Do you get a sense that uh, maybe the team is, is a little perplexed or bewildered? Or do you feel like they think that they're kind of right on schedule and coming along and, and things are going to start to click? How do you, how do you feel um, that the team feels about the offense? Yeah, I haven't sensed any frustration at this point. Um, but it could come. I mean, it really could come, I, I think, it, if, uh, if they don't get going because it just, you know, it just gets really kind of frustrating, I think, at times if you've got – the defense just having to carry the uh, the offense uh, along in a game. I you know I I don't know what it is about um, about the offense yet. I have it's they're not getting separation down the field, and I think that's a concern. Um, and Stanley just hasn't been great so far this year, and he's made a couple of great throws when he's stepped into um, you know his throws where you saw the the throw to Mir Smith Marset where he got hurt. Uh, that was, uh, I thought a, a really good throw. He saw another one where he stepped into one and threw it to easily for about a 15 yard gain. I thought that was a really right. nice, throw. the, the Brandon Smith throw really good, but he just seems a little tentative ball hasn't come out real well. Um, his accuracy hasn't been great. Uh, but you know, they, they'll figure it out. I think, um, but it's just he just seems a little tentative at this point in the in the year, and I, I you know, I'm a little perplexed by that. So, Tom, do you think? I mean, I don't want to sound the alarm here, but I mean, another performance like that against you and I, do you think his seat starts to get warm? Because Manziel looked 
pretty good in a couple of uh, possessions there. And I don't know if I know how Ference is on that sort of thing. He'll ride the same horse to the end of the season if he, uh, you know, if he believes in it. So, um, but I mean, at a certain point, if your offense is standing between you and a, uh, you know, and contending for a uh, potentially for a, a shot at the West Championship, uh, um, you know. At what point do you say we, we've got to, you know, maybe we were a little too quick to sew this thing up for our, um, uh, for, uh, for Stanley? Yeah, I, 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 it would be one of the more anti Ference things to, that Kirk Ference has ever done if yeah. he went in a different direction at quarterback. I just think he's going to ride Stanley. But this is a huge week for them because I was just, um, before we, we talked, I was talking to Gary Rima. Uh, for our uh, behind enemy lines thing that we'll have later this week. And basically this is not a David Johnson Panther team. This is not the 09 Panther team that had some really good players on it. It's a pretty average team. This is a team that Iowa should beat by 21, 28 points right. uh, fairly comfortably. And they should be able to put up a lot of points against them. And they should be able to score in the 30s. And if if we're walking out of Kinnick uh, Saturday night late, and you know Iowa's only scored 21 points or 20 points or something like that, and it's you know 20 to 10 win, I think there's you know some cause for concern, especially with Wisconsin coming the following week. Piggybacking off of uh, Jim's questions about quarterbacks. Um, it's kind of a meme now with Iowa fans that Iowa quarterbacks in their second year aren't as good as in their first year. And we know that statistically 05 Drew Tate was better than 04 Drew Tate and 2010 Stanzi was better than 2009 Stanzi, but it just didn't seem like the offense moved like it yeah. did in their first years. Is there anything to that or, or what do you have to say about that? Yeah, it's it's. I was thinking about that uh, yesterday too. That just you know, I I could see this coming because all those guys were you know sophomores or third year players in the case of Stanzi, but still a you know a redshirt sophomore, and and they just struggled for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I you could never, uh, and the team just didn't kind of jive the way you thought it would the offense wasn't as good their numbers as you pointed out I mean, drew tate's numbers his uh junior year were better than sophomore stanzi and you remember that that 09 year when you know stanzi's real you know, kind of second year i mean he was the picky ricky and then he thought rick and, the rick six yeah, yeah i mean you just you just couldn't figure it out and you've seen this happen before and so it's 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 got to be something that you start thinking about if he continues to struggle. Now, I'll say this. Part of it's on the receivers, too. I mean, yeah. his, his his wide receivers are not uh, making some catches, but his ball placement hasn't been great either. I mean, there was that pass to Fant that was about you know uh, two feet behind him that he reached back and grabbed. Otherwise, he would have probably had another 20 yards uh, on, on Saturday. I mean, he just... You, you got to put the ball in a good place too, and they're just not clicking right now for whatever reason. Uh, and they've got to get that going. I, I think the run game was was okay, and I think it'll be better this week. 
with another uh, week under the belt for Werfs and and Alaric Jackson uh, back in the lineup, but uh, and it'll help them. I think if they could get Ivory Kelly Martin back, we don't know really what what's right. going on with him at this point. But I you know I think he'll be back, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but they can ride Torn Young and Sargent and and. Uh, I think they'll be okay this week, but I think, you know, the following week you got to, it's all hands on deck. You got to have everybody ready uh, for uh, Wisconsin because, you know, if both teams are three and zero, and that's the opening game of the big 10 slate and Iowa and Wisconsin are maybe the two best teams in the big 10 West. It's a real, I mean, if you win that game and you're Iowa, you're sitting pretty good. You're plus one on, um, on Wisconsin, and they've got a pretty rigorous schedule this year, uh, especially some tough road games, and you can take care of things. Boy, it puts you in a good good spot to potentially get to Indianapolis. So it's just there's so much riding the next two weeks to get the offense going and then play in Wisconsin, who, you know, I, I ran a stat earlier this year, and I know we're probably spending too much time on Wisconsin, but – uh, in the years under Ferentz, when uh, Iowa has beaten Wisconsin, the, the the record in those seasons is seventy and twenty. Wow! They've beaten them. They've beaten them uh, uh, was Kirk's beaten beaten Wisconsin seven times, and uh, out of those those years, he's averaged ten wins a year. So, so it's just uh, such a swing game for Iowa. A win over Wisconsin is kind of the bellwether of a. Uh, good Iowa team or a very average one yeah it's a special year and and they're trending really well on one of the other kind of this is a special season stats and that's every year that they've had over 30 sacks they've had one of those special years they've got nine already this year and that's defensive line fantastic that's a great pivot to uh my next question which was uh you know I don't want to get too doom and gloom about offense because the defense has just been outstanding um, and Tori and Jim and I were talking about the um, opening drive Iowa State had where it seemed like is are they just going to throw it to uh, David Montgomery the whole game and we're just not going to cover him but man they made adjustments and Iowa State had nothing the rest of the way did you talk to the guys after the game about that and could did you get the sense that maybe the staff knew that they kind of had Iowa State at a point yeah I think they figured them out but also I was frankly I was really shocked that Iowa State didn't kind of stick with some of that stuff. Right. Because right. It, it was just kind of short passes that neutralize a, a good pass rush. You just get it and, and deliver it and go. Uh, and I, I was, I'm frankly, I, I think uh, Matt Campbell's probably kicking himself for going away from a lot of that because I, you know, until they stop it, you got to keep going that direction. And they just went away from it from whatever reason. Yeah, and I was wondering about that as well. I think that the, the defensive line and the linebackers were disrupting that uh, that uh, pass to the backfield coming out of the backfield. So, um, and and just the the defense in general has been playing lights out. I mean, you can't pile on enough superlatives of the. the we're rotating something like seven guys on the line, and I don't know how many we're building some depth at linebacker as well. I mean, I think we started the season thinking we had zero, and I think we've got probably closer to five capable, serviceable uh, linebackers now. So um, um, I think everything's trending in the right direction there. Um, 
but uh, but yeah. So your your thoughts on uh, on on kind of where we're headed uh, in this season? I mean, you know, you mentioned we've got the sacks. Uh, that's a good indicator. Beating Wisconsin is kind of a um, uh, a good indication of where the season is headed, uh, one way or the other. Um, how does this play into um, into recruiting? Uh, there were a number of visitors at the stadium as well, and I'm hoping that uh, uh, they got what they were looking for. Yeah, I, it, it was, you know, kind of a, it was an okay recruiting weekend. It wasn't a lot of big names or more big names for basketball than, uh, than football really. But, uh, uh, you know, the big name, the guy that they're really going after and they're probably going head to head for him is, uh, Josiah Miaman, uh, tight end. You know, I was, I was pretty stacked up right now in terms of their class. They're, they're going to be very selective moving forward, but they'd like to get, Kind of another one of those Noah Fant type tight ends. They've got Logan Lee already committed, who's you know more T.J. Hawkinson type tight end, I think, down the road. Uh, but Muman is down to Iowa, and Wisconsin. He visited officially this past weekend, and you know had a real good visit. And this weekend he's going to Wisconsin. But Iowa's been involved with him a, a lot longer, so. Um, yeah, it'd be great if they can could get him. Uh, but other than that, yeah, they, it's really kind of a quiet weekend. You know, one of the cool things that Coach Ferentz did, and I tweeted this out, uh, they invited um, Scott Tibbetts, who is uh, Molly Tibbetts' uh, uh, younger brother, who's quarterback uh, for the Brooklyn uh, high school team. Mm-hmm. And he's having a pretty decent season. You know, he's he, he's not like a, a walk-on guy that's probably going to get an opportunity or anything like that, I wouldn't think. But it's just a cool gesture given what that family's gone through in the last uh, few months, uh, you know, with Molly's disappearance and then, uh, you know, finding that she was killed. Uh, just pretty cool to invite him and his older brother and, and uh, Molly's boyfriend. They invited all three of them to be guests, uh, you know, and, and, and Scott was like a recruiting visit type of That's, deal. So that was, yeah, I mean, and, and he's probably not seeing a lot of uh, recruiting uh, attention you're saying. So it was more just a gesture uh, and, you know, yeah. just a class, yeah. a class act uh, and, all around. And, 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 you know, just tells you a lot about Iowa. They didn't, they didn't uh, contact anybody or they didn't kind of leak out to anybody that, Hey, this kid's going to be here. We just kind of, we're looking through the photos and I'm like, wow, that's Scott Tibbetts. He's got his name tag on there. And I just, it kind of hits you. So, you know, and and one of the nice things they had this weekend down there, uh, Dallas Clark's talking to recruits down there. That's pretty nice. That's a, that's a nice person to be down there advocating for you. Just kind of hanging out down there, talking to kids. Yeah. Well, one that thing, is- uh, you know, just while we're on the subject of recruiting, one of the things that we on this podcast always lament is um, how, uh, you know, if you look at um, Hakeem Butler or Lazard before him, you look at uh, uh, even yeah. even some of the guys on Illinois or Indiana or Purdue. Who, who's that, uh, just that monster guy now on Purdue that uh, seems to be their only offensive weapon? Oh, Moore. Yeah, Moore. Ron- Ronald Moore or Ronaldo or whatever, but... Uh, you know, it, it seems like these other schools, regardless of the state of their program, are always able to get that one, you know, freakishly tall, talented, fast receiver type guy. And we just never seem to have those guys. I mean, we had uh, DJK, we had Marvin McNutt. That was, you know, I mean, 
you know, guys like us those remember guys. those, but the, the rest of those guys, uh, you know, that's ancient history. And I just, is there something about the way we recruit or is it something about the recruits that just don't like the style that we play that it makes it hard to get those guys? Because other schools, if they have any talent at all, they have exactly what we're lacking. What what they're going to have to do is is hit on a guy that that's a pretty good wide receiver that has a huge amount of success. They just haven't been able to do that. I mean, you look at DJK, he was kind of like a wildcat quarterback in uh, high school. You look at Marvin McNutt, he was recruited to play quarterback, and right. they moved him to wide receiver. Uh, the guy that they're really trying to get in this class, uh, the 2019 class, is David Bell. He's a four-star uh, I think he's kind of down to Iowa, Ohio State, uh, Purdue, and uh, and maybe Indiana. I think are probably going to be you know he those are uh, Penn State's also involved with him. But so no chance uh, is what you're saying. No chance. Well, <laughs> you know what's funny is I, I think right now and uh, Josh Helmholt from uh, our Midwest analyst put out a thing. He thinks he's uh, David Bell's going to end up at at. Uh, Purdue. He just thinks he's going to go to Purdue. He's a he's an Indianapolis kid, so uh, you know. It, I but I was going to try and hang in there with him and see if they could get him. But he'd be a, a kid that comes in, and you're just like, okay, this kid's playing right away, I and mean, he's just that good. Well, speaking of kids that come in and and play right away, you know, I'm I'm not as unrealistic to to think that. 20 years of precedence, all of a sudden we're going to start signing four and five star receivers. But what does kind of boggle my mind is that we've had such great success with linemen and tight ends and secondary guys. And you look at the class and, you know, we're, we're holding our own, we're landing three star guys, but we're competing against the likes of, you know, Illinois and, you know, taking Matt guys. Uh, how come, do you do you think we don't have just a deluge of guys ringing the phones off the hook in the football building? Hey, I'm a five-star offensive lineman. I want to come to Iowa. It's one of the great mysteries of the Ferentz era. Is why why aren't why aren't these now? Justin Britt, a kid who's coming in, who's actually David Bell's teammate at Warren Central in Indianapolis, is coming in, and you know we have him ranked as a three-star, but you know some other places I think have him as a four. Uh, he's really good at six four and you know two hundred eighty pounds, and he's out for the year though he hurt his knee, so um, you know he won't play the rest of this year, but he'll be ready to go next year at this time. And he's you know he's a very talented kid. And I'll, I'll tell you the the kid that I really like is Ezra Miller, who's coming in, and and you know he didn't get a lot of attention because he was, I mean he's going to set the all time record for. Uh, unofficial visits to Iowa. He's basically there for every game. Wow. He's just bought in. More than Oliver Martin was? Yes. He's, wow. I, I, I think he's been to like like 20 plus different things that I, if they've had a junior day, he's been there. If they've had a game the last two years, he's been there. Uh, he's, we've only got him as a three star. He should be a four star. I mean, he's just, he's, he's a kid who's going to have a chance next year to come in and get in the two deeps. He's just, he's that good. And he was totally under recruited because he committed early and, you know, some other schools tried to get involved, but that kid is just, you know, he, he's an Iowa player. He just, he, this is what he wanted. And so he, 
he's really good. Uh, just remember Ezra Miller's name because we're going to be talking about him a lot here in the near future. Wow. Looking forward you to that. here, so. folks. <laughs> well, and you know, and I agree with you, Bill. I mean, we should have our pick of uh, offensive linemen, and I think we're starting to see where we should have our pick of uh, um, cornerbacks as well. Uh, because, you know, I mean, going back from Micah Hyde and uh, um, Des King and then Josh Jackson, and then I think we're probably um, – I, I, I think you've got a good shot of putting one or two of the guys in the current secondary into the NFL as well. So it seems like um, um, there's there's a pipeline developing there as well. But uh, um, but uh, and and for you know I think we always have that eternal debate, Tom, about whether stars matter or something. But uh, but look at uh, AJ Epineza. I mean, comes in with five stars and the guy's just a terror. So um, yeah. it kind of yeah. matters. <laughs> one thing. This, the, you know, about the secondary guys, I, you know, I wrote about this on Sunday just a little, little bit. And my, what did we learn? Is maybe uh, we're seeing something with these two corners right now that that's pretty good. I mean, Matt Hankins has been really good, and yeah. you know, last year at this time we we saw a fourth year junior kind of come out of nowhere to be, you know, maybe the best corner in the country. Yeah, and it's a good debate uh, with Josh Jackson, but. Michael Odramudier has been really good so far this year and shown a ton of improvement. And I, I really like where he's headed. I, you know, I, Ann Cooker is, is a dynamite player. And Jake Travas, what a great story for that kid who got benched last year around, you know, this time, just struggling a little bit, got thrown in there when Snyder tore his knee up and, uh, and, and then after Snyder came back and, and hurt his knee again, got a second chance, and, and he has not looked back, and he's playing terrific uh, football as well. Yeah, yeah and if it, any of those guys uh, need a break, you know, Geno Stone played excellent towards yeah. the tail end of he's last year. And he's he's yeah. up, up and coming as well. So, Yeah. Uh, well, the future looks bright if we can get uh, past the Panthers and, uh, and hopefully uh, – steal one away from uh, Wisconsin, I think we'll be, uh, we'll be in the catbird seat in the West, as you mentioned. So, um, yeah, Tom, uh, always a pleasure talking to you and always, uh, uh good to, uh, to close the gap here and, and just kind of catch up with you and, and, uh, get a sense of what real journalism is talking about while we just kind of go through the motions on our end. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so uh, looking forward to reading more of your thoughts on uh, HawkeyeReport.com, which is, of course, the, the hub or the nexus of all, all things uh, Hawkeye, including, the, of course, the, the premium forums, which is where, if we have any intelligence at all, that's where we get it, or that's where we fake it anyway. So uh, thanks, thanks a ton for your time, and um, you know, looking forward to another win on, uh, uh, on Saturday. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Anytime you need me, you just let me know, and I'll make it work. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, Tom, and uh, we'll look Thank forward to chatting with you. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tom. Bye. So, Jim, I have a bit of a sore subject. <laughs> uh, is it uh, is it your ankle, your shoulder? What, what's the sore subject? No, it's it's the genome of knowledge. I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm very frustrated that. I, get, I feel like I get rushed into making my genome of knowledge picks, knowledge picks early because of the podcast schedule. Because I freaking nailed it on my thing for Hawkeye Report with Mr. Kakert. 
you know, he asked me to do the little lounge prediction contest thing every time. And I had a 10 point win where Iowa struggles at the beginning, comes on strong and Torin Young is the steady horse that wins the game. I, I mean, a hundred percent nailed it. Boom on Thursday. But I, I understand that that wasn't exactly what I said uh, when we recorded. <laughs> I, well, I, I don't know what you want me to say, Tori. I mean, you know, you, you're the only one on here that gets uh, two cracks at a prediction. Uh, I mean, it was and, in and, writing, though, Jim. It was like and, an actual okay. writing. And you have ex- exactly the same amount of time to make your picks as Bill or I do. Because uh, if, if I'm looking at it here, I mean, Bill, Bill was brave. Okay, i got to give him credit for courage, even though I, I question his loyalties. Brave? His I picked a 21-point win, Jim. Well, but Bill picked brave. Iowa State. That's even more. Uh, That's and, not brave. That's stupid. No, it's, hey, Jim. Iowa State sucks. Hey, oh. hey, guys, I want to pull a Tory and change my pick. As well. Yeah, because he nailed the margin <laughs> by of uh, 10. He, he nailed the margin of victory in the wrong direction. <laughs> all right, let's just say we all picked Iowa by 10 and move on. Let's Can we not, do that because I picked Iowa by 13, so I was the closest, and that makes two in a row for James on the Gnome of uh, That guy is coming to Leclerc, okay, Bill? So let's uh, uh, let's just get him comfy. So, Jordan, um, we got to slow Jim down here. Yeah, I know. I, I need to like I need a delayed pick because I by the end of the week I nailed both my prediction contests so far. I mean, as far as like the Hawkeye Report contest is going, I look like a goddamn genius. Well, you could always you know let me throw you uh, you know make some predictions on Thursday or something. Maybe then I could get two or three bites at the apple. So. Yeah, maybe the trick is to be you know horribly wrong early in the week and then think <laughs> about it and then decide. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, but uh, that, of course, brings us up to uh, you and I and, and uh, what we want to pick uh, coming in for the, uh, for the Panthers coming into town. Now, this is not, uh, this is not the kind of you and I team that we would used to, used to see, the terrors of the Missouri Valley. Um, these guys, I think, I don't want to say they're having a down year because they're a good team and they're, they're going to make some noise in their, in their conference, in their division. But they're just not the you know, top three um, schools or teams at that uh, at that level, I think this year. Um, so I, I agree with you guys. This looks on paper like uh, a chance to get everybody healthy, get everybody rested, and uh, and tune up a little bit. And having said that, and, and I agree, it's coming at an uh, with you, Tori, that it's coming at an opportune time the week before Wisconsin. I'm still in this place of why are we continuing to schedule FCS schools? Well, I mean, the SEC scheduled 14 of them. So the Big Ten only scheduled two. Yeah, 15. so if it's good enough for Alabama in uh, you know November when other teams are actually playing real schools and nobody seems to have a problem handing them a national championship or putting them into the playoff with two losses, um, I have no shame. Funny, it's, it never seems to count against their strength of schedule when they play a bunch of... Uh... Uh, you know, during well, did you know they play a bunch of SEC teams also? Well, <laughs> there's that. I, I'm with you, Tori, there, except I just hate that it's us who's one of the two Big Ten teams. I wish it was Indiana and Rutgers or Illinois and Rutgers or something playing FCS teams and not Iowa. I think we can do better. Yeah. I mean, at least ours is throwing a bone to, uh, you know, a fellow Regents Institute in our own state. I mean, I, I, do I love it? No. But if we're going to play an FCS team, I'd much rather play them than, you know, North Dakota State, for example. Well, that's true. But, I mean, we could roll the, you know, roll them up in the first half and go up like 40 and put in our, our secondary and still shut them out. Uh, and 
it matters not, you know, in terms of uh, national exposure or, or any kind of votes in any polls or anything like that. I guess we just have to say it's its only benefit is uh, to prep us for the, for the conference uh, opener the next week. I am pleased, however, that it's a night game along with the Wisconsin game. We're really doing well with the, uh, you know, we're, f- we're going to be four games into the season with no 11 o'clock starts, guys. My sister and I were just joking about this today. That why is Iowa having all these uh, awesome start times now that she and I both have kids? What, <laughs> where, where was this 10 years ago when we were in prime <laughs> drinking form and needed eight, nine hours to tailgate correctly? Yeah, well, I tell you what, man, that looked like the last days of Caligula on Melrose Court <laughs> Saturday. So, you know, I don't know that that's always a good thing. They actually said the Wisconsin game starting at 730 is going to be the latest start uh, in the history of Kinnick. So that should be interesting. At 730? Really? Yeah, 730 p.m. Oh, because usually we don't have a night game until, is it right around uh, after daylight savings Yeah, I think time? the latest we've had before, Jim, was 7. Yeah, yeah, night games are usually seven. Oh, interesting. Uh, well, I'm hoping to see, you know, obviously with a different outcome, but I'm hoping to see that same spirit that we saw for the Penn State game last uh, uh, last year because what I heard was uh, the um, uh, on Reddit, and I love this, by the way, they call Kinnick at night uh, or Kinnick after dark uh, was one <laughs> of the hashtags, and they called it the Bermuda Triangle of college football. <laughs> Yeah, now the Badgers heading into the trap, so we gotta hope. Oh, and by the way, we are uh, section black, Jim. Uh, it's a black and gold. We always stripey are. thing. So yeah, but we are now looking ahead. We still haven't made our predictions for you and I, so um, I guess we're gonna have to go around the horn and do that. So, um, so Bill, as the lone uh, selector of the Cyclones last week, we're gonna put you on the spot first. And uh, what do you think? Score, pick to click. Uh, what do you think? I see this game. I, I think I mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, Hawkeyes 35 to 42. Let's say Northern Iowa gets 13. They score two on our on our backups. That's what I'm saying. Uh, except my head is telling me uh, maybe this is going to be like a 24 to 14 type game. But but no, let's 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 go big. Let's go 42 13 Hawks. Pick to click is going to be Omaha Zone Noah Fant. All right, so you're saying 42-13 because I heard a lot of numbers there, and I'm trying to write down which <laughs> last one. Was. You're like, no, I was, I was Omaha 27-46-40. What? Tory <laughs> treatment so that you know I can I can have an out next week. Yeah. No, Iowa 42, Northern Iowa 13. Noah Fant clicks. All right. Well, it would be a, a nice uh, overdue arrival for Mr. Fant in the 2018 season. Uh, so, Tori, what have you got? Yeah, I'm very similar, I think, to, to the way Bill sees the game. I think Iowa's going to try to fix some things on offense. I think they're going to throw the ball around a little bit. I'm going to go with a 38-7 to Iowa, and I think it's going to look like NIU. I think Iowa shuts out the uh, uh, Panthers with their first-string defense. They put the backups in late. They get a late touchdown to make it look a little better. Uh, my pick to click is going to be Brandon Marshall. I feel like, uh, you know, Bill picked him in week one and he did nothing. Then he got Brandon a taste Smith. in week two. Or, Brandon, yeah, Smith? Brandon Smith. Okay. And so, uh, yeah. So my pick to click is going to be Brandon Smith. I think, you know, Bill picked him in week one and uh, he didn't do much. Week two, he finally got a taste. And here in uh, week three, he's going to have a finally have his actual breakout game. So that's the way I see it. 
I love it. Um, so I'm going to say also a high-scoring game. I think that we get the uh, passing situation worked out. But I'm going to say that we uh, get somewhere around 42. So I picked yours as well, Bill. But, um, but I don't see quite as much scoring coming from you and I. I think it's going to be 42 to 10, uh, again, with the late, uh, late touchdown. And my pick to click on this one is going to be um, uh, Torn Young. I think that, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he just runs roughshod and puts three touchdowns on the board before they bench him Ooh. late in the second half or second quarter. So, um, uh, so that's, my, uh, that's my pick, and I think that uh, you and I just basically folds up like a, uh, like a, uh, uh, a cheap paper bag by, uh, early, in the, uh, early in the third quarter. So, hey, Jim. Um, yeah. Jim. Is there such a thing as an expensive paper bag? I was just going to say that. <laughs> expensive paper bag? I don't know. I don't. I'd have to ask my wife. She shops at stores. Yeah. So, but uh, I don't know. Most most of the uh, expensive stores, of course, wouldn't give you a paper bag, right? Or you'd have to bring your own, like uh, Whole Foods or whatever. So. You know what makes the jokes funnier, Jim, when you explain them? <laughs> yeah. If you're explaining, you're losing. So, all right. Well. Um, well, let's hope that we're in there. I noticed that, Bill, you and I are only three points apart, so uh, that could mean the difference unless we're way off, and then, then it's going to be Tori's, Tori's gnome for the week. I don't think I – have I ever won the goddamn thing? <laughs> Not this season. Jeez. Stupid gnome. Well, he hates only, me. There's only two, two uh, games in the books, guys. Jim, Jim we make him pick too soon. Games, but it does. Yeah, you make me pick too yeah. soon, you guys. It's only Monday. Yeah. Come on. If only you could delay your Thursday pick to Sunday morning, you would have 100% accuracy. You guys should, yeah, exactly. Sunday morning, Monday night, whatever. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, uh, great show, great week. Uh, Tori, you'll be back in time to go to the game and do some uh, quality tailgating, I hope. Absolutely. We'll be ready. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, with that, I guess we'll close as we always do. Fantastic guest, as always, and we'll look forward to. Uh, to reading more of Tom's work as he breaks down, presumably, a uh, glorious Iowa victory next week. So uh, with that, we'll close this episode, as we always do, and say, on Iowa. Go Hawks. Beat Nebraska. <laughs>